Hello and welcome to another episode of CryptoCast. Today I'm delighted to be joined by Nat, Matt Nyman, who is the Chief Risk Officer of Ziglo, a new crypto electronic money institution that provides retail payments and supports crypto trading. Hi Matt, great to meet you. Hello James, good to be with you. So Matt, people talk about the, the question of consumers and crypto and, and people take different views on it. Do you think it's important to increase consumer accessibility in relation to crypto? And if you do think that, why do you think that's important? Well, crypto is becoming a, increasingly a uh, consumer and uh, institutional asset. Um, for use in investment. Uh, obviously, it's still gaining ground as a payment uh, method as well. But I think a lot of the um, current discussion uh, about the rights and wrongs of it uh, and the uh, the risks are around really the investment, uh, seeing it as, a, as, a, as an, an asset for investment. And um, I don't have a view on whether uh, consumers should be um, investing in crypto uh, or any other asset. Uh, you know, I'm a <laughs> I'm a lawyer by profession, uh, and my focus is on uh, regulation and risk and compliance. Um, so I, I I don't pretend to to know what's going to be a good investment for anyone. Um, but the point is that uh, it is something that. Uh, consumers are investing in and they, they are doing it and, and they're going to do it. And so I think what, what is important is that they do that in a good way um, and, and that they do it in a way that is as much as possible um, uh, going in with their eyes open as to the, the risks um, and that uh, the companies involved like Zigloo uh, as much as possible are you know making them aware of those risks and protecting them where where we can from those risks so uh, for me it's it's more about how uh, people invest uh, and how it's made available um, rather than you know that whether it should or shouldn't so you know I, I think it, it it is being made available and um, Ziglu and and other companies of course are, are trying to do that in a way which uh, serves consumers. It's interesting you put it like that because actually one of the interesting things I've seen historically is if you look at the first ever shares created in companies, a lot of the criticism at the time, that between a couple of hundred years ago, is pretty much the same as the criticism you see of different crypto now. And you had people creating fictitious companies, people saying it wasn't something you could sort of touch and, and it was all made up so i think that it's it's always interesting when, when people talk about disclosure um i think one of the other very interesting points is ziglu has been authorized both as a a what we might call a crypto firm and as well as an electronic money institution and in some ways that there's a natural tie up between the two but of course they're very different types of business in, in from a regulation perspective at the same time do you have any kind of advice for those who are looking at becoming authorized or working either just as a crypto firm, given that that sort of operation is so new and they want an AML license or 
more broadly, if we're going to combine both regulated activities with unregulated activities. Mm, yeah. Well, no, I, I wouldn't recommend anyone try to get authorised. Uh, it's terribly difficult. You shouldn't. You shouldn't bother. You should just leave. Uh, just leave Zigloo to, uh, <laughs> to clean up. <laughs> no, um, I, I, I can make some uh, observations and, and comments about our experience, uh, which which will hopefully be useful to to other people, other firms that are considering uh, getting authorised in in the UK. Um, and I, I, I guess the other thing to point out is that, you know, it's all very new. The, the regime for obviously the electronic money regime has been around for 10 years, but the crypto asset money laundering uh, regime only came in at the beginning of this year in January, and it was only drafted, you know, so a few weeks before that. So I think um, we may well see uh, change in, in how the FCA deals with this. Um, <clears throat> but our, our experience was that uh, we uh, had a electronic money institution application sort of sailing through pretty much. And uh, although it had, had taken some months due to the uh, ambitious um, business plan that, that, we, that we have, um, and due to the fact that we are um, offering crypto related services. So even before the money laundering crypto regime came in, obviously, the F as you would expect, the FCA were asking questions about the crypto activities. Uh, obviously, they, they weren't regulated um, and they still aren't technically. Uh, but the FCA was interested in them and how, you know, what risks would, would that expose cut consumers to and, and what what how would that affect the sort of regulated activities that we conducted um so but but nevertheless it was sort of sailing along and then in january the um money laundering regs uh crypto asset regime came in and along with an, a number of other firms uh our application was put on hold because the fca decided that it wanted to uh determine decide both applications together and so we then a significant delay on the electronic money uh, application while we um, scramble to submit our money laundering application um, and we thankfully got that submitted and then decided in sort of record time um, and we became the third company to be uh, registered um, one of the others is an EMI, and another one is not. Actually, it's a, I think it's an MTF. But uh, the the point is that um, so that's the first thing. Uh, sorry, very long-winded way of saying that I, I would I can't imagine the FCA will change this in the short term, which is that both applications are going to be decided together. So if you're doing an EMI and you need to do a money laundering regs application, they're going to be considered together. Um, and it, even if they're not decided at the same time, one is going to be, uh, well, certainly the EMI is going to be dependent on the 5MLD. I think it's probably that way around. Uh, so that's the, I, I guess, the main uh, lesson learned for us, which is relevant for others. Um, and then um, I guess the, the, the money laundering crypto asset application itself, 
uh, we we were in the bigger bracket. So the I can't remember how how to describe, but you've essentially got you know a, a, a higher fee or a lower fee and a sort of higher application standard or lower or a lower application standard, depending on your uh, projected revenue from crypto asset activities. And we were in the top one, um, so we got the full you know the full Monty uh, application process. And um, I, I was actually surprised by how comprehensive that application is um, it, it's they, they they seem to have pretty much copied out the structure of an electronic money application um, and then actually even gone a bit further because there is this um, IT controls section uh, and although EMI has it has stuff on IT the 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 IT controls section of the money laundering application seems to have been taken, literally copied and pasted from the banking and insurance uh, application. Um, so you can imagine how far that is. So so I, I think the other main and, and, and so it, it, it's not just about the crypto asset money laundering risks. It, yes, it's about that, but it's about pretty much everything else in the business and the outsourcing and the governance and you know it, it it's it's quite heavy and comprehensive and so um that's the other main you know, lesson learned um and, and advice is it, it's not just about the money laundering so you should be prepared um i guess if you've already done an emi or you're doing an emi or or let's say another you know regulated activity like investments let's say then you'd be in a very good place to answer to to, to fill in the the money laundering application um but if you if you weren't if you're just doing crypto if you think you know you you're only doing crypto asset activities not no other regulated activities that i think you've you, you should be prepared for, for quite a lot more than you might have bargained for no it, it, it's always interesting and actually it, it's funny how um regulators have taken something which, which sounds quite narrow and actually put, made it something which is far bigger and whether you support that in your views i think will, will come down to your kind of view of the world i think one of the interesting things is, is the currently evolving regulatory regime and i was wondering you know given your, your position as, as a lawyer tra trying to navigate the waters what your view was kind of on the current regime for crypto assets and where it's heading um at, at the moment Mm, sure. Yeah. Well, I am uh, qualified as a lawyer, but I'm not really um, working as one at the moment. So forgive me if I can't, you know, quote quote chapter and verse, uh, and I'm not necessarily up on it or all, all the technicalities. But um, you know, I'm I'm focused now more on um, risk, and my current role is 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 as chief risk officer. So I'm I'm looking more broadly at um, how the regulatory uh, how the changing regulatory landscape will affect the business across the board not just in terms of what we need to comply with but you know, how, how it's going to affect the competition how it's going to affect relationships with our counterparties things like that so taken at the uh, I, I guess also so firstly just to clarify what we're the, the, the regulations that we're 
we're, we're talking about. The, the main the main ones that you know in the UK are that have come out are the the the, the proposed or well, the the upcoming ban, which has now been enacted, but coming into Jan in force in January, ban on crypto derivatives sales to consumers and marketing. I think the marketing was already banned last year. Um, and then uh, we've got in the uh, in the EU, uh, we have got the new Mika and or is it Mica? But yeah, we got that and Dora. So we've got the new proposed uh, uh, regulations on markets in crypto assets and the digital operational resilience. So that's a that's going to be absolutely huge. Obviously, they're they're going to take two or three years, however long they take, to actually rumble through until they become law in the EU. Um, and th there's various things going on around the world, but that's really closest to home. And also, I think it's the biggest. The EU um, is, is the biggest in terms of moving into a full regime. And what they're doing there is looks to me essentially like sort of recreating MIFID for um, crypto, obviously, in the, you know, the hints in the name, markets in crypto assets, markets in financial instruments. So um, essentially treating crypto assets like securities in terms of how they are sold and marketed and um, the standards that firms need to meet in order to be involved in that market. And um, I know that uh, the sort of um, crypto enthusiasts and crypto purists see this as a big missed opportunity because they feel that essentially by treating crypto like a security and having the and sort of kind of mapping across the existing regime, you give a huge advantage to incumbents because they're already authorized and therefore they'll be able to transact in crypto. So that's the, the, you therefore disadvantaging all the new crypto firms that have grown up. Uh, and you also potentially stifle innovation because you, you, you force crypto into regulatory straitjacket based on the existing model of securities and investments when crypto is actually something totally new and you could um, you know, if you were to get your head around it, you could have a totally different regime that was more appropriate and allowed greater innovation. Um, so uh, I, I, I have a lot of sympathy for that, uh, but practically, I think um, you know, it's it's going to result. Uh, this is, the, I guess, the, the quick the, the quick uh, way of doing it um, is just to copy copy what we've already got. Um, so that's so that's what we're looking at, and and we we don't know what's going to happen in the UK. Uh, I know a lot of people think that the UK's um, the you know the, F, the the recent ban recently announced ban um, on crypto derivatives is the FCA kind of flexing its muscles as much as it can, um, and you know sort of people think that the FCA is quite hawkish, um, and. Um, fear that this could just be the start. Um, but I, I don't know. I think the you know, Treasury has said it's going to consult on regulation of crypto. And I guess that's going to be could be another year now, but you know better than me. But um, I think, you know, I, 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 I think the UK will do something 
a bit like the EU um, and hopefully won't be banning it entirely. Uh, and that's because you know, whether or not you think it should be banned, the fact is that something which is, you know, something which exists online effectively, you know, cryptocurrency is, well, decentralized cryptocurrencies anyway, are a creature of the internet. Um, that's one of the things that's different um, about them, you know, compared to securities or investments um, or even other or even currencies. Uh, and because of that, anywhere that you can get on the Internet, you, you're exposed to cryptocurrency. And so even if we were to ban cryptocurrencies in the UK, uh, unless we had a, you know, Internet firewall like China, um, UK uh, UK consumers will still be exposed to the risks of crypto. So um, I actually think that uh, wh whichever position you take on that, it's got to be better that crypto activities are allowed, but that they're regulated. And therefore, consumers will go, one would hope, to the, to the regulated sector to do their crypto business. Um, and and be and be and be looked after as a result. Um, so that's um, that's kind of how I see it. Um, and then you know, a little sort of plug for Zigloo um, is that, and this is you know what what keeps me busy in my job is um, actually trying to keep consumers safe. And so from our point of view, we welcome regulation within reason um, because you know we have staked our uh, fortunes uh, and our future on operating in the regulated environment um, and offering crypto um, on the basis that it will be permitted but that we will have to comply with regulation um, and we see that as a good thing because it's, it, it, it allows us to it, you know, it is one of the things that will contribute to us keeping our 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 customers safe. Yeah, that, that's really interesting. And I, I, one of the things I always see is actually the FCA's powers are actually set out in statute. So whatever the FCA's view is on unregulated tokens, actually by law there is a limit to, to, to the extent to which the FCA can be involved in them for, for companies in the unregulated space. And coupled that, just as you say, there, there is a willingness for this technology for people to trade abroad. So it's one of those ones where if you don't get it right, it, it's not one of those ones where practically you can just ban it in that sense very easily. So I think it's mm. there is a fine line to be trailed on both sides. And, you know, if everyone behaves well, then everyone profits. But um when, when you've got bad actors, that that's always going to be the concern, both in terms of, you know, companies going off piece and, and regulators going off piece. It's always good to hear of companies who are trying to put compliance and consumer protection at the heart of their business. Mm. Thank you. That's been absolutely fascinating. Um, if anyone is interested in reaching out to Matt, his email address is matthew.nyman, that's N-Y-M-A-N, at Zigloo, Z-I-G-L-U dot I-O. Thank, thank you, Matt. It's been an absolute pleasure having you on. Oh, thanks very much, James. Always good to talk to you. Uh, thanks for having me.